Falcon and the Winter Soldier wrapped uh, a couple of weeks ago or more now. Uh, I can't remember exactly how long it has been, Tyler. How long has it been? It's been three weeks, I three think. Weeks. When was the last episode? Couldn't tell you. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm looking it up. <laughs> I uh, we, we enjoyed it a damn sight more than it sounds like we did, given that we can't remember mm-hmm. when it ended. Um, I thought it was a really good series. Definitely a lot different to um the the wonder vision that came before it uh but i think that's good because uh you know to to kind of piggyback off of a private conversation that we've just finished having um with felipe about wrestling of all things um sometimes you need to have a little bit of everything to make everything pop and whereas wonder vision was definitely more in tune with the weird and wacky and had a real kind of Lynchian feel about it at times. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier very much felt like Captain America Winter Soldier. It had that kind of espionage intrigue um, feel about it. Very real world, very real world problems, terrorist organizations, freedom fighters, if you will. Um, And I absolutely loved it i didn't think i was going to enjoy it after the first episode because it was such a tonal shift but i very quickly changed my mind on it how, how did you respond to the first few episodes tyler i i enjoyed it as a whole i think i agree i thought the first episode i like the slow burn aspect of it and i don't think it's a bad episode but i definitely wasn't as engaged like I was after the first couple of episodes of WandaVision. Although I certainly feel like not everybody else felt the same way. It, it, there's a couple of similarities between this and WandaVision release-wise, which makes me wonder if this is just going to be how all of these Marvel shows feel, um, where the first week is a nice little taste, uh, and then the second week is what really kind of gets people to start really enjoying it more. Mm. And then maybe a bit of a lackluster finale. (laughs) Uh, But I, I think that this, I don't think it captured my imagination quite the same way as WandaVision did, which uh, I think it didn't capture anybody's imagination. WandaVision did, because that was one of the fun parts about that show was every week, everybody just going like, you know, letting their their minds run run wild trying to figure out what was happening on that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was a little bit more straightforward. It wasn't as complicated, but it had a, a pretty nice message to it and some really great performances as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and we we will get into the performances, uh, in, including a. I I'm not familiar at all with the uh, the actress that. Uh, that played the uh, the lead flag smasher, whose name I'm just trying to remember. It was Carly Morgenthau, wasn't it? Uh, played by Erin yes. Kellyman, who I, I I did not recognize, but apparently she was in Solo. Uh, yeah, Wars she was story. in Finesse. She was the uh, the masked like um, like antihero that shows up at the end. Yeah, so the leader of that kind of 
resistance group. Didn't, so didn't very remember. similar character. Yeah, actually, you're very right. Um, didn't remember her very much at all. But to be fair, I watched Solo once and probably didn't pay as much attention as I should. Have. She and, and honestly, she wears a mask throughout the entire film, except for like the last couple of minutes. Like, okay, so I, I could yes, probably... Yes, you probably wouldn't realize it was the same person. Fair enough. Uh, another crossover from one Disney franchise to another, but there you go. Um, so yeah, I, I I thought that her performance throughout the show was really, really good. Um, despite the many memes um, that came from his initial appearance in the Captain America gear, I thought Wyatt Russell was very good as well. Um, I thought he was great. Wyatt um, Russell's a fantastic actor, and yes. he had a really great performance in this show. I think. Yeah, he uh, Wyatt Russell was one of those actors that um, th- I think this is the first time that at no point have I seen his dad in his performance. But there have been mm. moments in other movies where it's almost been that kind of deep fake uh syndrome where you're watching him pl- play a character and for a second you think to yourself is that Wyatt Russell or is that his dad because it kind of looks like his dad oh shit it is his dad no it's Wyatt no he's gone back again um <laughs> I, I had that with um uh Overlord uh, a couple of times uh and he's brilliant in Overlord like that is such a wonderful mm-hmm. film I, I still don't think it gets enough love um it was a little bit underwhelming in terms of box office uh when when it came out but uh i remember watching that at an everyman theater and uh absolutely loving it it was a proper throwback kind of b-movie um world war ii horror uh very cool uh but yeah so wyatt russell as we said, very good. Uh, it's unfortunate that uh, he did look like the lead old man in Up uh, when he was wearing <laughs> that helmet. Uh, but some people have the chin for that helmet and other people don't. And I, I think the camera angle didn't flatter him. And maybe that was intentional because they wanted yeah, him to... They, yeah, they kind of wanted him to look like a, a pale imitation. Uh, because there's a really interesting um, Twitter thread during this show that I saw that really broke down how they made a lot of choices to make that costume feel like just wrong. Yeah. And it's not stuff you notice immediately, but it's just I think that somebody even pointed out that it might have been just a little too big on him, too, which is really mm. subtle. But I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the whole big shoes to fill thing where it's like, look, right. you can't even fill the outfit. Um, although, funnily enough, um, a lot of the design cues for that outfit are actually taken from the uh, from the uh, the U.S. agent outfit that he eventually dons in the final episode mm-hmm. um the uh the, the 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 red stripes across the front and the uh you know the it kind of looks like captain america but there's something very different about it and it's the lack of white um it, it's just like blue and red and and very little white on it at all and and it looks very kind of dark and muted as a result and mm-hmm. that was something that even his world war Two variant which eventually made a comeback when they realized that the first Avengers movie, he kind of looked a little bit silly in his outfit. And there's a reason why he only wore it in that one movie. Um, so he, he went back to using the World War II variant with the um, with, with the really cool kind of like um, 
red webbing straps that made the white midriff look like it was red and white bands. Uh, that even that, which looks really muted and and really gritty and uh, realistic, still has a very light nature to it because of the white that's present in the outfit. But you look at U.S. Agent or you know um, John Walker's Captain America, and he doesn't have that lightness, um, and and he doesn't mm-hmm. have that lightness in any way, shape, or form because he's uh, a, a, an army captain who is obviously suffering mentally for the stuff that he has been through during his tours of service, um, and and it's it's an interesting callback to the original Captain America movie where the uh, the doctor who give who basically gives uh Captain America his chance intimates that we we could give this to anybody but we needed to give it to the right person um and it, it it's a variation on the whole great power great responsibility chat that Uncle Ben has in multiple different versions of Spider-Man um mm. you know you can give this power to anyone but not everyone should have this power. And that's kind of a conversation that takes place throughout all six episodes of this show. Uh, because obviously John Walker starts off with no powers. Uh, then he gets the op- option to have the powers and he takes that opportunity and immediately he abuses that power. Um Meanwhile, you've got freedom fighters that have taken the same serum and they're using their newfound strength and invulnerability for maybe not for the wrong reasons, but certainly they're doing the wrong thing in pursuit of their main aim. Uh, Like they have a noble aim, but the way they're going about it is not necessarily the right way of doing it, Um, which is an argument that you can make about a lot of freedom fighters throughout history. Uh, and the the counter argument to that is, of course, well, we didn't get anywhere by peacefully protesting, so we have to do something else. Um, and that's a very complicated uh, argument and uh, and conversation, which I am ill equipped to talk about, and uh, I don't mm-hmm. think we'll want to touch on particularly during this discussion because this is like this is just meant to be a light hearted chat between the two of us about what we thought about the show. Um, but yeah, long story short. And to uh, let you back into the conversation, Tyler, um, I I thought that uh, Wyatt Russell did a fantastic job of bringing us a very, very dark, very realistic take on a a serviceman who has done everything for his country and feels abandoned by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think to me, there's there's a lot of subtlety in his performance. And I really like the idea of us getting the end of the first episode. It's like, oh, they took the shield and they gave it to somebody else. Here's your new Captain America. That's some bullshit. But then they start episode two with you getting to know him in a private setting. And you go, actually, this guy seems okay. You Mm -hmm. know, maybe he's not a total jerk. Yeah. Then you kind of see him be a jerk a little bit. And then he gets he's he's just kind of an aggressive kind of jerk who is struggling to live up to the expectations of Captain America. And it's making him lash out and get Mm. angry. And then he thinks, hey, I'll take the super soldier serum serum and I will become like Captain America because I'll finally have the strength because that's clearly something he's insecure about. And then 
you get what I think, which I kind of got the vibe that was going to happen the whole time, which I kind of liked. And then we'll get to the finale. But <laughs> um, I really liked the idea of a character who who meant well, who was a good person at heart, being corrupted by the super soldier serum yeah. to the point where he was unrecognizable from who he was before. Certainly felt like that's where they were going. <laughs> Wasn't really where they ended, but it, but at the end of episode five, it certainly felt like, well, this character is unrecognizable and he's angry and he's like, he, he Wyatt Russell gives this like twitching psychotic nature to like his movements after he has the, the serum in him. Mm. And it's really cool. And, um, I like, I guess I like the idea that he's still around and is maybe a bit more of an anti-hero, but kind of wish they would have just let him be a full on villain near the end of the show. Yeah. I, the, the thing that, uh, Marvel tend to be very good at during the whole MCU era, um, and by extension, Disney and, and Kevin Feige, Feige is that they know their characters. They know what direction the characters should take. And uh, we'll, we will come back to this later for another character that we're going to talk about because I feel they make the wrong decision with another character in this sense. But uh, if you look at the history of the US agent, who, who is not a character that I'm massively familiar with, so I went on a deep dive um, and watched a lot of YouTube videos that went through the back history of the comic books and uh i can't remember any of the names of the channels off the top of my head but there's some very good ones out there that really go into the nuts and bolts of what makes a character and what are the arcs of stories that you really want to know and here's the history of them um and it became very clear that uh john walker's character who is a, a character that exists in the comic books as both captain america and then the u.s agent later um and I think the Patriot at one point he's called as well, but that doesn't really get a look in um, during this show. He's he's not a hero. He's not a villain. He is very much an anti-hero in the same vein as the Punisher, um, except that this Punisher has the the uh, the Captain America shield and wings on his helmet. Uh, and that's literally the only real difference because this Captain America or US agent is a character who is willing to do whatever it takes to take down the bad guys and that includes killing them which is something that captain america tends to refrain from doing although i don't think he's ever come out and said like i refuse to kill anybody like i'm fairly certain he's killed a few people by hitting them in the head with his shield um but they were bad guys he wouldn't care or aliens aliens don't count apparently uh, but yeah, so the US agent is definitely an anti-hero. He was always intended as an anti-hero. Um, and uh, I think they've got it spot on with that character. Um, another couple of characters that I think they've really done well by with this show are the title characters themselves. Mm -hmm. um, Sebastian Stan returns as uh, as Bucky, the Winter Soldier, or the White Wolf. He's referred to as all three during this show. And uh, Anthony Mackie is back as Sam Wilson or the Falcon. And as we come to know him by the sixth and final episode, the new Captain America. And in fact, the final thing that you see in uh, episode six is a rejigged version of the title, which ch it changes itself from Falcon and the Winter Soldier to Captain America and the Winter Soldier. 
which is a really I, nice little touch. I have a, a bit of a gripe with that, though. Ooh. I think they, they needed to change Bucky's name to at the end. Oh, yeah. Good point. I actually think it was it would have been it was more important. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I and I and it frustrates me because it it's one of those things where the whole Bucky's whole storyline was about him moving on from being the Winter Soldier. He's not the Winter Soldier anymore. The Winter yeah. Soldier was somebody else, and he's moving on and finally uh, puts that to bed. And so the fact that the show does take the time to change it to Captain America, but still leaves it as the, the Winter Soldier, uh, irked me. <laughs> I didn't like that. But then is it a, is it more a matter of him moving on from being the Winter Soldier or is it him accepting? He literally says in the last episode, that was me. I was the Winter Soldier. I'm not anymore. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. They yeah. make a point of saying he is not the Winter Soldier. Because I, even I, if it was even if it was Captain America and the White Wolf or something like yeah, they could have yeah, given no, him a different nickname or even the, or Captain America and Bucky Barnes. But mm. they should not have said Winter Soldier. That was uh that was they should have changed both. But the funny thing, I like, like that they changed it from Falcon to Captain America, yeah. but they should have changed the other name the, too. The funny thing is, I think that that's an easy fix, um, and the fix is that you don't have him say that that was me, and you don't make it about him wanting to leave the Winter Soldier name behind. I think what they could have done, um, not saying they should have done it, but what they could have done is that they could have approached it from a point of view of him accepting his past, accepting what he was responsible for, whether or not he was directly responsible for it or not, because we we know he was being mind-controlled. And rather than saying, that's not me anymore, I'm leaving that part of my life behind, he can he can still say, that isn't me anymore, but he can still keep that name. He can... He can turn it around in the same way that, uh, like Natalia Romanov, is still the Black Widow, even though the Black Widow had a lot more red in her book than she did black. You know, I I disagree, and I don't think any part of Bucky should be associated with the Winter Soldier, especially because that it wasn't him. Mm. Like he was never under control. He was forced to do these things. The Winter Soldier is not Bucky Barnes. Hmm. Whereas uh, Natasha being Black Widow and then owning that name, she she wasn't, you know, under, you know, mind control. She well, was trained to do what she did and eventually realized it was wrong, switched sides she was, and embraced that she, name. She, she wasn't being mind controlled in as much as somebody read a bunch of words to her and she became a pliable subject. But she right. was. She, she had. Hang on. Whoa, she whoa, whoa, made hang the on. decision hang on, to hang on, hang no on. longer do no, that. No, hang on. But but she she was raised in a way where she had no other choice, and so in a sense she was no more responsible for her actions as the Black Widow when she was a Russian agent than Bucky was when he was the Winter Soldier. Uh, but I, I think that there there is some. But she she did have a choice and was able to change what she did, whereas Bucky, as yeah. the Winter Soldier, was mind-controlled and had no choice and had to do these things. Yeah, but we're talking about mind-control in two separate ways, is what I'm saying. Like, she, she was being mind-controlled, but not in a forceful... Um, clinical right. way she, she literally she, she was, was a, able to stop doing it yeah but only because she was shown kindness by uh by um hawkeye 
Right. Which started what happened, to turn cogs in her head at that point. In the and, same and way. And only escaping from the mind control was Bucky able to slowly piece together his own personality again. Mm. If he would have gotten recaptured by, uh, it doesn't matter how nice Captain America is to the Winter Soldier. As long as he's being mind controlled to be the Winter Soldier, he can't do anything about it. He had no free rule. Yeah, but that's not the argument that, that I'm having here. What I'm saying is that, that like, the Black Widow is a a name that Natalia Romanov had when she was doing things that she probably wishes that she hadn't done. But she mm-hmm. still retained that name because she's she's righting the wrongs. And I that's why I think that Bucky could keep the Winter Soldier name if he wanted to and do good under that name to try to bring some kind of of uh, of balance while accepting the things that he's done and and doing what he did in the final episode where he let that guy know that it was him that killed his son and his son was dead well his but his whole arc was putting that to bed to make amends with everybody he had wronged as the winter soldier mm. and he accomplishes that but making amends uh, to people doesn't mean that he has to bury the winter soldier name that's well, why I'm would saying. he keep it it's not him because it's a cool fucking nickname <laughs> but, yeah, but the whole show was about him shedding that. No, like the I know. whole the whole show was about him trying yeah, to yeah. not be no, the Winter Soldier anymore. The, the thing is, as well, like if it, it's it's a subtle change at the end where they change it from Falcon to Captain America. If you change both of their names, suddenly it's like, well, that was super fucking obvious. So I don't know. I, I don't know how much thought went into the Bucky Barnes side of it because this was definitely more about Captain America with a side of Winter Soldier in there. Um, well, it's actually, it's kind of weird, because I definitely feel like it started off feeling like it was, well, it was split in the first episode, but it definitely felt like it was um, it, it was Sam's show. And then the middle part did kind of feel like it was Bucky's show. And then it kind of felt like it was Sam's show at the end, mm. which was kind of like a nice, like, like, I feel like it was equally both, but and yet it felt like it was more... Like you said, like it's more Sam's story ultimately. It does feel when you look back at it like it's most mostly Sam's story. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why it's Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and not the Winter mm-hmm. Soldier and Falcon. Um, yeah, I, I, he definitely does get some attention. Of course, he does. But I, I, I think primarily it is that this is about the crowning of a new Captain America. The, the point of this yeah. entire six episode series is to establish why Sam Wilson eventually does take up the, ta- the the mantle of Captain America, which is something that he was very resistant to doing at the beginning. And you could even tell at the end of um, Endgame, or not Endgame, was it Endgame? I get the two mixed up all the time. Which one? What, what happened? Infinity, the, what, what are you was it about? Infinity War and then Endgame, or was it Endgame and then Infinity War? No, it Infinity was War Endgame. Was was a, yeah, Endgame was the second one. So even at the end of Endgame, when he's given the shield, like, they're... You can see there's some reticence there from Sam where he's like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, you know? Like, okay, you're giving me my shield, but that doesn't make me Captain America. Um, I appreciate the fact that he spent six episodes kind of showing us how he comes to accept that role because they're big shoes to fill. And there were aspects of it which they talk about in this show which I had never even considered, which is, you know, the idea of, uh, you know... How can, how can you make people accept a black Captain America? Mm-hmm. Um, especially because there were men that came before him, black men that came before him, 
that uh, that were super soldiers and in the comics at least wore the same outfit but were never really acknowledged as being Captain America to the point that they were thrown in prison and experimented on. I mean, that's fucking horrific. Um, but, you know, it's... Oh, there are a lot of complex issues that run through this show and I really love the fact that they do. But I feel completely unequipped to talk about some of them because not only am I not American, but certainly I'm not black. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I, I I can talk about it from the outside looking in and, and what I took from it. But um, there's definitely a lot about this show which really speaks to the black experience within America, which is not something that I will ever w- be able to completely uh, understand because I am neither of those things, obviously. Um should we should we talk about the uh, the thing that um no let's leave that for a second let's talk about daniel brawl okay. let's talk about daniel brawl yes. because i love the fact that we finally got proper baron zemo with the purple headgear and the fur cuffed jacket <laughs> and it was like he was proper comic book baron zemo and a lot of people are saying that this could be the setup to Justice League, not Justice League Dark. What am I talking about? Um, <laughs> it could be the Dark Avengers or the um, like the the Thunderbolts style. The Thunderbolts feels like it's more likely because they're because the raft is associated with Thunderbolt Ross, and we know he's going to show up in uh, Black Widow. So I think that that name makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, and um, Zemo himself in the Thunderbolts comics. And again, not read the Thunderbolts comics, but based on research and all of the things that I've, uh, I've watched on YouTube, which seem to be uh, much better researched than I could ever do. Uh, he was at one point, a big part of that team along with red Hulk, who of course is Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross himself. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that one day we get red Hulk. I really hope that we get red Hulk. That's going to be awesome. Um, and a bunch of other characters, uh, all of whom are residents of the raft, as you've mentioned. And uh, there's one or two members that we saw being put in the raft, including and it was it George Saint Pierre, the MMA fighter. Yeah, George Saint Pierre, playing Georges Batroc. Um, so he was uh, in this show for like an episode and a half. He turns up at the very beginning um, trying to kidnap some American servicemen and Falcon saves them from him. And uh, then he returns near the end in the UN building and has a big old fight with, uh, with uh, well, Captain America at that point. Um, and uh, gets arrested, gets his ass beat, gets arrested, gets thrown in jail, goes to the, uh, the raft. So I think we can probably expect to see um, George St. Hey, Pierre. I accidentally muted myself. He That's is okay. not in the raft. He's dead. Oh, I thought he was alive still. Nope, he gets murdered by the power broker. Oh, shit. Three weeks is too long for me to remember everything that happens <laughs> in this show. He doesn't get murdered by the power broker, does it? Oh, wait, maybe he, he does. does. Yeah. Okay, we'll have to talk about the power broker soon then. um but anyway uh daniel brawl just to go back to the original line of uh of conversation he's just delicious in this show 
so great. He oh, really it's so is. much fun. I am very like I was excited because I love Daniel Brühl, so I was excited that he was going to be back in the show. Yeah, and then his performance in this was like, oh, I want more of this Baron Zemo. <laughs> Please give me more. This is so good. You can have all of the chef's kisses if you want. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, she, he he is excellent in this. He's just got that. Um, he's got a little bit more sass to him in this one uh, than oh, he did very much. than he did in in the movie where he was originally um introduced which was winter soldier i think if i'm remembering correctly might be he, he was in civil war oh civil war not fucking winter soldier no you're right of course it was civil war because he was playing iron man off against captain america um yeah definitely some more sass from him gets to show a little bit more of his acting ability in this one um you always got the feeling that he had ulterior motives he was a shady character and he was always up to something whether it was you see those two over there don't tell them anything here's some sweets Uh, (laughs) (laughs) he he knows how to how to get to the hearts of children copious amounts of sugar and he saw he saw um uh the chronicles of narnia he got it he got it (laughs) would you like some more turkish delight Interesting, actually, yeah, because it was Turkish Delight in that as well, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Kids just go nutty for Turkish Delight. I'll never understand yeah, it. it. Um, I mean, it's all right, but like, there are better sweets out there. <laughs> um, we'll leave the wonderful appearance of, uh, of Lady Hydra or uh, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine until uh, mm-hmm. slightly later on because I... Uh, I want to talk about her in a little bit. But I, I think maybe it is finally time for us to talk about Sharon Carter. Yep. Oh, boy. So <laughs> they, I, 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 that sounds like you're on the same wavelength as I am on this. Yeah. So it was nice to see her back and it was nice to see her being promised a meteor role. I'm mm-hmm. not sure that this is the meaty role that I hoped for for her to be honest uh, yeah look i i know that there are theories that she might be a scroll that is the one thing that i think makes sense and yeah. would make me okay with this because the the big thing is and we'll just say specifically what we're alluding to um sharon carter is back played by emily van camp in this one but this time she's kind of <laughs> she's much ruder than before <laughs> Yep. And uh, her her reasoning is like, oh, she got left behind while everybody else got pardoned and she everyone else was, you know, got to go back to their regular lives. I mean, that's but understandable. She was stuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's completely understandable. Like, I don't have a problem with her being ruder or more abrupt or more world weary as a result of what's happened to her. My, mm-hmm. my main issue is the fact that the niece of Peggy Carter is a bad guy now. Well, it just doesn't make any sense compared to how she was in the other movies. Like, yeah, I get it. She, I get contextually explaining this to me. Mm. I go, yeah, okay, I can understand how somebody would become disillusioned. But Sharon has always been presented as the character in Winter Soldier who was like the 100% had his back in a moment where Absolutely. he really needed it. Yeah. She believed in the cause. She's Peggy's niece. She 
she gets in Civil War, she's the one who gets to do the famous Captain America speech. Uh, when the whole world tells you to move, your job is to stand firm like a tree and say, no, you move. Mm. That's Sharon in the movies. So for her to show up in this and be the power broker and the ultimate bad guy of this show and is so cynical and being like, oh, you really believe that bullshit yeah. is not Sharon. <laughs> and to me, the fact that we are building towards a secret invasion, I do feel like if she was a scroll then her not feeling like the old Sharon is actually a feature and not a bug. Mm. And in which case I really do appreciate this turn. Yeah. I like that Emily Van Kemp got to do something a little bit different here. And also me sitting there going like, this does not feel like Sharon is the point. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. hope she's a scroll because if she's not, I don't like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it I doesn't make any sense to me. And and then that leaves it open for the possibility that um, if they're following the strictly speaking the uh, the storyline of, of Secret Invasion, which is one that I am somewhat familiar with, because I think I've got the collected trade upstairs. Um, all of those heroes that are replaced by scrolls, they're still alive. They're just being held in cells off planet. So we could get the slightly more optimistic, um, you know. Peggy Carter's niece back and I, I kind of hope that that is what ends up happening because this just didn't feel right to me even if you take the view that well it's been five years you know she spent five years in Madripoor on the run having to scrape for everything that she can get and building herself a new life and basically coming to the conclusion that well if the good guys are gonna sh- uh, shit on me from a great height then I might as well be a bad guy you can make the argument that she may have turned as much as she has in those five years. But for me personally, it just doesn't feel right. And I I know that that is a case of, you know, not my Sharon Carter, but it, it's just, that's how I feel. It's how I feel. Peggy Carter's legacy lives on through Sharon and to have her make such a hard left turn as this really doesn't feel right the the only other way that i would potentially see this going is that if she is a scroll then that's fine but if it is sharon carter then maybe she is doing the wrong thing for the right reason and that she's getting access to all of the uh, former S.H.I.E.L.D. tech and all of the government secrets and stuff for Nick Fury. Um, And even if it's a scroll, that could still be the case because, as we've seen, he's uh, got this whole alliance going on with them up in the stars somewhere. So, I don't know, it's... It's a difficult one. I, I really... It doesn't sit right with me, so I think there is something more to it unfortunately Mm, i can't think of very many times when the mcu has had something that is so like i mean okay sure baron zemo is a lot different in this than he was in civil war (laughs) he Mm. got fun which he was not in civil war but it still felt right for the character but it felt right right and Mm. a lot of the times that's the case i can't remember one other time where i felt like somebody was so different in a project and 
felt like a completely different person. Yeah. And this time it felt like Sharon was not Sharon. And again, knowing that we are leaning, like this is the kind of thing, knowing that we're leaning towards a secret invasion story makes me think, you know what? Maybe I should keep my eye for stuff like this. Maybe this is the intention. Maybe I'm supposed to feel like she's not. If a secret invasion comes and goes and we never find out that Sharon's a scroll and she's just is the power broker and like armor wars or whatever, then I'll be... I'll be disappointed because I don't really buy that this is the same character as before. She doesn't feel like the Sharon that we were introduced to in the other movies. And she doesn't feel like she's um, the niece of Peggy who, you know, wouldn't stand for for any of this unless she unless she is you doing all of this to catch bigger fish or something. Maybe. But I, I don't know. I feel like. That'll feel like worse of a retcon than just being like, you know what? She actually wasn't sharing this whole time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I've got enough faith in them because of the fact that these series have come under the remit of, uh, of Feige. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not like a S.H.I.E.L.D. situation where the TV series went places and then was retconned because the movies were doing other things and... They didn't really respect what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was doing and, and not paying anything forward. And they, they eventually they felt like two completely different projects that weren't related whatsoever. Um, and to be honest, I stopped watching after like the second season because it just felt like there was absolutely nothing. that It, it wasn't worth watching it, essentially, because there really was no payoff other than the fact that one week Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was perfectly normal and then... <laughs> Um, I, I think uh, Winter Soldier came out, and suddenly everyone was fucking Hell Hydra, and Agents that of Shield I, I gotta changed admit, amazingly. I, that was the time when that was the Agents one time the, was the synergy was great. Because that, oh, yeah. that first season was okay, yeah, yeah, and then that ending was great. That, and sy- then that synergy I between the show, them was fantastic. Yeah, the, sh- the show was still good for a while. Then it got too weird, and I stopped watching. And then I jumped back in for the end, but I still never. Mm. Um, Felt satisfied. Also, I it also is like a wrong kid died kind of thing because uh, they there was a point where it's like, oh no, Mac might die, but then mm. they killed Triplet, and I was like, ah, I like Triplet, <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of bummed about that. Yeah, that's all <laughs> so right. It's hard for me to get back into it. That's all right. They were just twins then. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> the problem with that series was that it was always informed by what happened in the movies, and the movies were never affected by anything that happened yeah. in the series and, I, and that's not a thing that i have a problem with with these shows because i know that because they come under the marvel brand and the umbrella and because they are in that they're directly affected by kevin Feige and, and the rest of the people that plan out the uh the the uh the road ahead for the marvel universe that everything that happens in these shows happens for a very good reason um, and so the Sharon Carter thing is part of a bigger plan. And as you've mentioned, the fact that Secret in- Invasion is right around the corner, it does feel like a very obvious turn that they will reveal that Sharon is actually a scroll. Uh, and I hope that that is the case. The only other example I can think of where a character really, really changed from one movie to another was um, was uh, Rhodey between... Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2. It's almost like he was a completely different person. <laughs> he did feel like a different person there, but I also feel like personality-wise I wasn't all that different. No, yeah, but the joke. <laughs> the, the joke 
Yeah, I got you. I got you. I was was trying to play along with it. Oh, dear. Um, Right. So uh, there is one other piece of uh, casting that I wanted to talk about. Well, I mean, we. No, we're not going to get to her yet because there is someone else that I should mention. She's not in it for very long, but she deserves a mention because Florence Kasumba is back as uh, Io in uh, in this show, uh, a member of the uh, Dora Milaje, the uh, the Wakandan special forces. She's a yes. badass. I love that we got a little bit more of her. Who she's the first one of the Dora Milaje that we meet in uh, Civil War. And then she's like around, but she never really had that much of a standout moment. So for her getting to come back into the show, total surprise, did not see that coming. No, she was not advertised for the show, which was cool. Mm. And then she got to do some really cool stuff. And I like that she got to add a little bit more to those uh, to, to the Dormelage's relationship with Bucky yep. and Wakanda. And and then we got to meet another member of that organization a little bit more uh, fleshed out. Really liked that she got to be in this. I thought she was really good, and it felt it fed into the whole Zemo thing as well. Reminded me of the fact that like he was still persona non grata in Wakanda because of the fact that he was responsible for the bombing of the UN and the the death of the previous king, um, and uh, he got his uh, his just desserts at the end when um, the Dora Milaje essentially decided, uh, yeah, you, you're answerable to us, but we're going to hand you off to the raft. Because you're going to face justice, and we don't care where the justice is, but you're going to face it. Um, Probably a mistake for the long term. <laughs> it is. A, it's a massive mistake. It's a huge mistake for them. It's a great one for us. Reason being, and, and you know I've, I've said this so many times that I feel like I'm a broken record. I feel like the MCU has got a really big problem with killing off its bad guys too early. Mm-hmm. And... Zemo is one of the few examples where they've actually bucked that trend. And I really hope that they buck that trend more often. But honestly, they've already lost a lot of real standout actors and characters that could have come back more than once. It looks like they might be retconning Killmonger, which is encouraging. Um, Although I don't know if they can... Does the end of that movie give him enough of a of a way back that they could potentially make him the new lead in the Black Panther movies? Like to a good guy? Yeah. Well, at least I, at I least think as it's a weird because he's not wrong, and and that was actually something they talked about a lot with this specific show. Mm. They had a sign in the writers' room that said like. Um, that had like Killmonger's speech like written on it or something. The idea was like they wanted to try to make all of their villains more fleshed out and not one dimensional and that they all had a reason for what they were doing. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of weird because yes, I do think he like at the end of the day was not wrong. He just went about it the, the wrong way. But I also don't really, as much as I would love Michael B. Jordan to come back and take over the role. Uh, I also feel like that would uh, not be what the character would have wanted. Yeah. So that, so that's tough. Um, I heard somebody pitch, I think uh, uh, Eric Voss from the rock stars pitched the idea of the next black Panther movie being a trio of um, uh, Mbaku, 
Um, well, I'm trying to remember everybody's names <laughs> from Black Panther. <laughs> um, uh, Okoye, Umbaku, and... Uh, oh, my God. Academy Award winner. Great Sister? actress. Doesn't get enough to do in that first movie. Can't think of her name. Um, She's great. I hate blinking on people's names. I mean, I'm, about to I'm, say I'm, I'm bad enough with... I mean, I've only just remembered Ulysses Claw, which was another name I was going to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, for Black Panther? <laughs> no, 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 not for Black Panther. But, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, um, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. For, uh, oh, Nikia. yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Doing, having the three of them uh, be Black Panther and then hold off Shuri becoming Black Panther for a while. Uh I, mean, I think that would be kind of cool, like a go, team of Black Panthers of the three of them, I think would be kind of neat. Yeah, I I, I mean, you, you could in theory have a Black Panther movie which didn't have an actual Black Panther in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the final shot would be somebody putting the suit on for the first time. But like, especially given the name of the new film, which is going to be Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I feel like the focus is going to be more on Wakanda than it is on Black Panther himself or herself. So it, I'm I'm interested to see. Plus, like Suri has got so far to come where it comes to fighting. Um, she's great at tech, and um, she could probably design herself a fantastic suit that could do most of the fighting for her. But I feel like there needs to be more legwork done as far as showing her being put through training and if she is going to be the next black panther at all that is because they could just introduce a long lost brother or something if if they wanted to go down the route of having the big muscle bound lead um or they could just go for mbaku what the fuck whatever i don't know i i think i think shuri should take it over eventually Mm. um which also seems like that was the plan but the idea would probably be obviously not yet and yeah so to me, it's like if you're going to do that eventually, but you don't want to do it right now, I think those three would be fun or any combination of those three. But I, I think Winston Duke is really great and really stole the show with the first Black Panther and is also like front and center in Endgame mm. and Infinity War. Like he's there. He's right on the front line of that battle. So as far as people who would, I wouldn't mind seeing take over any three of them would be fine. But I think I would mind it being Baku. Hmm. I mean, there's the question of the fact that the, like if you go by the storyline and by the, um, the, I don't know, the, the film Bible of, of Wakanda, um, Black Panther traditionally has been the ruler of the country. So, they would, uh, and I'm trying to remember whether it is basically like a royal family, so it's not something where you can be elected to be the head. But obviously, well, no, you got to beat them in a waterfall fight. Yeah, that's true. But I, it's going to take some sensitivity. They're going to have to deal with this in a very sensitive way. We don't know how they're going to. Um, how are they going to transition? You know. Um, yeah. They've said they're not going to have any CG. They're not going to have uh, any special effects that are going to um, bring anyone back. And that's going to make it very tricky. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it. I don't envy them at all. Um, but yeah, I I do think that there is mileage to be had with having a Black Panther movie where 
you don't necessarily have a Black Panther. And if they did want to bring Michael B. Jordan back in, it doesn't necessarily have to be as, well, you're ruler now, so do a better job this time around. It could be the case of, well, he's alive and we're slowly trying to give him the means to redeem himself and show him that there are, there is a right way of doing it. And maybe he learnt that lesson at the end of the movie, but it certainly seemed as though they were getting to a point of consensus. I don't know. It's a really complex thing. It makes me glad that I'm not having to write that movie. Um, and they've yeah. got some really good writers on staff that are going yeah. to write that movie. I'm so. sure Coogler's going to do a good job with it. I trust him. I, I shouldn't see why on earth he wouldn't. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's made some very, very good movies. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a fucking shame that Chadwick Boseman died to begin oh, with. You know, irrespective of the movies that he was involved in and, and, and all of that stuff, just from a, a, just a personal level, like he was such a talented young man and mm-hmm. to, to lose somebody and to know that he was as sick as he was when he was filming, I think when he was filming Black Panther, he was ill, but then obviously he appeared in Endgame as well. And he kept it from everybody except for those who absolutely had to know and, you know, it's... I, supposedly they had no idea he was sick. The people like like Kevin Faggy and stuff like that didn't yeah. even know. So it was really only his like family and and really close loved ones that that knew. It's it's fucking heartbreaking. It really is. Mm-hmm. But um, Martin Freeman says some of the Black Panther two plot is very odd, according to Digital Spy. Well, that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, moving on uh, from from the very sad um loss of chadwick boseman and uh how it could affect the uh, the black panther movies we're finally going to get to uh what was probably one of my favorite cameos that i've seen in a marvel movie for some time wait 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 yes we, we didn't talk about carl lumley yet i want to talk about how great he is in this go ahead <laughs> yeah he's he's fantastic he's so good um he's he plays um Isaiah Bradley, who is this um, experimental Captain America that yep. that uh, that we've kind of talked about before, the whole history of that, and he is a character from uh, the comics, kind not like a super big one. Kind of has his own comic series that they kind of tell his story in uh, as a one-off, but having him show up in this and really like you know focusing a lot of that conversation on the title of Captain America, what the shield means and, and the stars and stripe mean to a black man in America and having Carl Lumley, who is such a fantastic actor and just steals mm-hmm. every scene he was in, in the show is so much pathos and, and he's just incredible. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say he, the, perf- the, the actual acting performance, I would say him and Wyatt Russell were, were the two MVPs for me in this show. And, and you know what? Shout out to um, Sebastian Stan, too, who I think is really good in this show as well. Hmm. Um, he got to do a lot of emotional, you know, pathos stuff in this and really got a chance to, like, bring that to, to the character, which I really liked. And I thought he was really good in yeah. their, their performances. Like, there's a lot of performances in this show those three kind of stood out to me as particularly great and i just wanted to shout carl lumley out because he's really good in this yeah absolutely like i i know i, I said like we 
I, I certainly wouldn't be able to talk to the the black American experience particularly. Mm-hmm. But what I did really enjoy about the Carl Lumbly performance, especially when he was um, opposite uh, Anthony Mackie, is the fact that you've got two sides of the same coin there. You've got Anthony Mackie, who's playing the rather more optimistic uh, character who still thinks that he can make a difference and that, you know, that he can be accepted uh, doing, or, or maybe he's not really even considered some of the issues that he might encounter as Captain America if he was to take up the shield. Whereas Cole Lumley's character, Isaiah Bradley, has had such a torrid time over the last 30 years, being a super soldier, going to Vietnam, coming back, not not Vietnam, sorry, Korea, uh, coming back from Korea, being experimented and imprisoned for 30 years, um, his name not acknowledged anywhere, uh, his contribution to the uh, to his country completely brushed under the rug. Uh, that duality between the two of them um both black men having grown up in america both uh superheroes but both having experienced very different ends of the same stick was really interesting to me and brought an extra level of um of pathos to anthony mackie especially when he does finally take up the mantle of Captain America and he's basically taking those UN officials not UN officials I can't remember the name of the organization the um International Repatriation Council whatever the hell he's basically taking them to task and saying look get around the table talk um and it I, I think his interaction interactions with Isaiah Bradley make him a little bit more willing to enter into the political sphere and talk about things which he might not necessarily have got involved with beforehand. Um, Mm -hmm. And like Sam is a character who is very much in touch with the idea of talking through issues. Like we're introduced to him as uh, the, the leader of a, um, a support group of army veterans that uh, talk through their problems and, you know, issues reacclimatizing to Civvy Street and uh, feelings of abandonment by the government and by the people that you served and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, And it's really cool to see his character coming back to that at the end of this show. It's not about how hard he can punch somebody or how far he can throw his shield. The real heroics in this entire show for him are talking through the problem with these, I don't want to call them politicians, but with with these um, powerful people and making them aware of what the problems are and and why they're going about it wrong and succeeding where Morgan Fowl failed. You know, like, yeah, you could do it this way. You could take people hostage. You could burn trucks. You can blow them up. Or you can talk to them and you can try to engage with them on a level where you can try to get them to actually talk about it and do something about it and recognize where you're coming from rather than just giving them more fuel to to ignore you and demonize you and and say well we must be doing the right thing because look at how these people are re- are acting they you know they're behaving like criminals and blah 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 
Um, and I think that all comes from the interactions that he's had with Isaiah Bradley, really kind of opening Sam's eyes fully to the realities of what he's about to step into and trying to use as many of the tools as he can to to bring about a positive resolution. And that's something I really enjoyed about this show was the fact that there's a lot of punching in there. There's a lot of kicking and fighting. But when it comes down to it, this show was about somebody just standing there and telling people how it is and convincing them to sit down and talk about it rather than just going ahead and, you know, throwing people out of internment camps and forcibly repatriating them to countries that they don't want to go to. So, uh, also, should mention, um, Eli Bradley, the uh, the grandson mm-hmm. that turns up during this show, played by Elijah Richardson. Um, Eli Bradley is a character who eventually becomes Patriot, who is essentially like a Young Avengers version of uh, Captain America. Um, interesting that they seem to be introducing Young Avengers in these shows. It's almost like they're building towards a Young Avengers movie or TV series um, and using these other shows as backdoor pilots for some of these characters, or at least giving us our first introductions to them. So when they come back later, we're like, oh, I know who that is. I definitely think that's what they're doing. I think they're building a Young Avengers show. I want to go back and find it. There's a episode of a podcast I was listening to long, long ago where it was like right before like a big Comic-Con announcement series of of them talking about stuff that was coming out uh, probably like two years ago at this point. And somebody was like, actually, we uh, kind of went into their like the we, we kind of hacked into like the Facebook like <laughs> URL pages that were registered by Marvel and they listed off all the things that they had in, in the works. And now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure almost everything that was listed off has been announced except Young Avengers. Yep. But like Ironheart was mentioned in that, Miss Marvel was mentioned in that. There's like a bunch of these things that actually have been announced now. So mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that might have been true and that they are definitely seeming to be building. I wouldn't be surprised if Young Avengers is the next team up movie that they end up doing and that um, their plan is to maybe introduce slightly older versions of Billy and Tommy in the next Cap- Doctor Strange movie. Uh, they're bringing Miss Marvel into the movies with uh, the Marvels. Yep. So maybe the idea is they're slowly introducing these young Avengers, but they'll actually maybe start showing up in the actual movies as well. And then that ends up being the big team up movie, which is instead of the Avengers, it's the young Avengers this time around. Fingers crossed. I mean, I'd love to see Ironheart. That's the the one for me that I'm I'm kind of interested in seeing the most. Um, well, that's coming. They they got her. They got her and everything. They already yeah. cast her. So I'm I'm just wondering where she's going to turn up first because it's not going to be in her own movie. No, um, it's, it's a TV show. Okay. Yeah, they're doing it. It's a TV show. They're doing an Ironheart TV show. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's going to Dominic be... Thorne or Dominique Thorne. Not Dominic. Dominique Thorne is playing. Uh, is playing her. They announced it. Uh, when they announced that whole slate of stuff back in December. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Then, yeah, I'm I'm 
interested to see uh, how that all works out. The, the Marvels thing was an interesting one for me when they changed the name of uh, Captain Marvel 2 to The Marvels because it does seem as though they're using that as a way of uh, introducing maybe not even just Miss Marvel but maybe uh, maybe another member of the uh, of, of the quote unquote family. Uh, yeah, yeah, they they definitely are. It's from one division. Oh, of course, yeah, there is her, yeah. But I, I was yeah. thinking more um, Marvel, who uh, turned up in the movie and all, then died. All, I, all but... I know is that Ms. Marvel and uh, wow, what's her name? Which which Monica, right? Monica Rambeau, yeah, yeah. So Ms. Marvel and Monica Rambeau are in. Uh, Captain Marvel 2. So, so that's why they changed it to Marvels. So there, there is a theory that another member of the Marvel family might be turning up. And I know I'm using that term wrong because technically the Marvel family is Shazam. Um, <laughs> but um, Marvel, who was a character that appeared in the original Miss, uh, in the original Captain Marvel, um, in the comic books has a son who turns up at some point he, I think, goes by the name Hulkling, which is weird because he's not anything to do with the Hulk, but he goes by Hulkling. Um, and he's a young Avenger, funnily enough. So they might be introducing two young Avengers in the Marvel. I would not be surprised by Hulkling showing up. Which would be fine by me because uh, more Hulk, <laughs> more money. Uh, even if he's not technically the Hulk, he's just a... Uh, just a, an alien who has a lot of strength. Anyway, um, shall we now move on to the main event? And by main event, I mean the uh, <laughs> the best cameo that I've seen in some time in a Marvel property. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in the role of Valentina Allegra de Fontaine or Lady, uh, oh, Hydra, Lady Hydra is... Julia Louis-Dreyfus, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she is sassy as fuck. I loved her in this. I thought she was absolutely superb. Playing to type very much, but it suited her down to the ground. And um, I'm interested to see in what direction she's going to go. Because the history of this character is much varied. Uh, at one point, she was... Not only a member of S.H.I.E.L.D., but Nick Fury's lover. Um, at another point, she was a member of HYDRA, although that was apparently, from what I've been able to glean, um, she was kind of a double agent that was working for S.H.I.E.L.D. at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but she was a member of, of HYDRA. And um, she has also kind of been an independent contractor as well. And I, I'm interested to see where she falls in all of this is she perhaps a go-between for the thunderbolts is she a sleeper agent for hydra or is she maybe something else could she maybe be working for the power broker um who knows who knows but i'm really looking forward to finding out where she fits into all of this and um the potential for a new shady organization that she might be working for. I mean, Christ, for, for all we know, she could be working for Nick Fury. You know, she could be like his, 
one of his contacts on earth, keeping him up to date with what's going on, recruiting people where needed. I'm not sure she is, because recruiting US agent, I don't think that's a Nick Fury move. I think that's a Black Ops governmental move. So it's going to be interesting. But what did you, what did you think of um, of her appearance? She is great in this. I did not see it coming at all. I was. It was so nice to have a complete, genuine surprise and not I have any idea this was going to happen. Um, and she's great. I love the idea of her kind of being, it seems like a, a pretty big part of this show. Like she's going to be around, uh, not just the show, like not the show, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general, that she's going to be around and more stuff. There, There's a rumor that I think someone from Vanity Fair said something about apparently she was supposed to be in um, Black Widow and maybe she still is. That certainly points towards the Thunderbolts thing as well, although that is not confirmed. But the idea is that we should have already seen her already before this, right. um, once before. So I don't know if that's true or not. But I am very excited for her to pop up in more Marvel stuff. And certainly seems like she is going to be some kind of anti-hero in that you're going to have people like Zemo and U.S. Agent and her and who else they, they end up bringing into the fold as these like – kind of semi-villains that aren't fully evil because we kind of, you know, Mm. I don't know if we'd like them, but they're not totally evil. And eventually maybe they get redeemed, but they're going to kind of do some underhanded nefarious stuff in the meantime, which is perfect. And I love her as the leader of that. I I like the idea of, um, and I don't know which one came first, but I don't really care to be honest because I think there's room for them both. But I, I like the idea of a Marvel equivalent of the Suicide Squad. You know, bad people doing good things for reasons of self-preservation. Um, yeah, you know, that that's a, that's an idea that I will never be uh, sick of. I mean, let's be honest, the Dirty Dozen did it years before anybody else did. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm down for it. I I'm looking forward to seeing how the uh, the Thunderbolts team develops, if indeed it does develop at all, because nothing is confirmed yet, but. Everything is pointing very much to it being a Thunderbolts team-up. Um, it would be a waste to bring Zemo back just to have him rotting in the in in the uh, the raft for years and years until they need him again. Uh, but yeah, I I I liked what I saw of her so far, and um, I'm hoping that we we do see some of her in in Black Widow. Although the thing is, Black Widow being a like a massive massive prequel, um, it's it's gonna be interesting how they square that circle, because that will mean that uh, that Dreyfus's character will have been around doing what she's doing for a very very long time, right? Unless they flash forward. Because I'm assuming that it's... Or it could be the setup, the idea that maybe it was a setup of the Thunderbolts idea mm. in that movie in 2016. <laughs> be, so then be. they... But I, I wonder if it, they, they could just flash forward to slightly more modern day and have her meeting with Florence Pugh, who I assume is going to survive the movie and will carry on the Black Widow legacy in some way, shape or form. Um, yep, supposedly rumored to be in Hawkeye. Ooh, 
that would make sense as well because of the Hawkeye yeah. and Black Widow connection. So I like that. Yeah. I like that connection. Um, so yeah, maybe moving slightly more into modern day and then having Dreyfus come to her and say, we're putting a team together. You know, and then Florence Pugh can say, what, some kind of suicide squad? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Channeling her inner Will Smith. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the idea of that. And, and that is certainly one way of doing it, unless they can find some way of some storyline means of, of saying that this uh, character that Trafus is playing has been working on these lines for this, for so long. They've been trying for years to put something together, tapping people up, getting things lined up, and finally the time has come where they need them. I don't know. Um, I like the flash-forward idea a little bit more, especially if there is a Hawkeye appearance for her down the line as well. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll have to wait and see. That's the great thing about Marvel movies is that you can try and second-guess them all you like, but there's so much batshit craziness going on in them that whatever you think they're going to do, you're more than likely going to be if not entirely wrong, then certainly wrong enough that it's still worth watching it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the harebrained theories we had about movies years and years ago when we first started talking about Marvel movies. <laughs> and um, I don't think many of them came 100% true. But no. uh, we were on the right track with some of them, I'm sure of it. Uh, oh, yeah. So Loki's up next. Would you, uh, are you looking forward to that? I'm very excited about Loki. I think I'm going to like Loki a lot more than this show, which again, the show yeah. wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think that after like how crazy WandaVision is and how crazy it seems Loki is going to be, it was kind of mundane, which is fine. Well, we're actually, we're going to, nope, we will get Loki first before, because that's in June. Yeah, Loki's only um, next month. But then after Loki ends is when Black Widow comes out? Oh, I'm not sure about the timing on that. But Black Widow Black has Widow's now July. got a... Yeah, ooh. There might be slight crossover. Maybe there will be like there a one-week crossover. crossover if the show... The rumor was that Loki was going to be 30 minutes like WandaVision. Okay. Is what I remember hearing at one point. So if that's still true, then I would assume that... Uh, we would still be having Loki episodes when Black Widow came out. Okay. But I don't know for I, sure. That's not necessarily going to harm anything because, as we've no. already mentioned, Black Widow is a prequel story and uh, Loki is... It looks Also like kind of a prequel story, but also in a separate timeline. It's, so. Not only is it in a separate timeline, but it's in multiple realities of those timelines. So Because right. uh, theoretically... Loki takes place in 2012, but an alternate 2012. But then also they jump all over the place. So who knows when the fuck they're going to end up yeah, going. I mean, they're, they're time police, aren't they? So essentially yeah. they uh, they can go wherever the hell they want. Um, I'm uh, very excited about the premise of that show, about Owen Wilson being in it. Oh, yes. Um, absolutely. All that stuff. I'm very excited about Loki. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I like the idea of doing this show as almost like a, a bit of a black comedy. Like there's, I, I don't think that they've hidden from the fact that this is going to be a fairly funny show. And Loki has always been a character who's, uh, who, who's had his fair share of jokes. And putting Owen Wilson in there as well, I think that those two are going to bounce off of each other superbly well. I could be terribly wrong, but I don't think I am. I, I think that their, their chemistry is really going to make this something special. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. 
Um, Disney Plus, if I didn't have access to it, free family, I would absolutely be jumping on the subscription train for this because it's absolutely worth it. It really is. Like They're knocking it out of the park with the Marvel stuff. And then you get the occasional Disney thing as well. And Star seems to be fairly good value for money as well, especially if you like things like 24. Um, they they know what they're doing. And and the the Marvel content is not going to slow down. Like They've got so many things planned that I don't know if we're going to go more than a couple of months at a time without something new coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And that's how you keep hold of your subscribers. So, yeah, very... Very happy with what I'm seeing so far, and uh, I'm looking forward to to Loki. And uh, I, I'm with you. I, I think that um, I'm going to enjoy Loki more than I did Falcon and Winter Soldier. But that's not a massive dig on Falcon and the Winter Soldier because yeah, I very much enjoyed that as well. Um, it's just a case of I think that I tend to prefer Marvel that is a little bit more irreverent. Um like Guardians of the Galaxy and things like that. Um, and when, when they do serious, they do it very well. You've only got to look at like Civil War and Winter Soldier to see examples of that. But um, sometimes I just want something a bit more lighthearted and jokey. And I think uh, jokey Loki is, is going to do it for me in a pokey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, very much looking forward to that. Um, any massive big thoughts about Falcon and the Winter Soldier that we haven't covered yet? I don't think so. I think I, we got everything. I'm I'm excited about Sam taking over Captain America. We're getting Captain America 4 mm. from Marcus Spellman. Yep. Um, so that's coming up, so we're going to see more of Sam as Captain America in his own movie. I also... I do want to say really quick, I thought it was weird. Derek uh, Holstead, who is the writer of John Wick and the new movie Nobody, wrote a couple of episodes of this show. Um, I thought it was really interesting because his <laughs> they, I think like in the second episode, uh, they kind of make a big deal about um, about John Walker having a gun and using his gun. <laughs> Mm. to fire at one of the flag smashers but then like in the Derek Colstead episodes people are like executing people like point blank all the time (laughs) (laughs) and I just thought that was really funny because the first time it's like oh my god this Captain America has a gun that's crazy and then like later like Sam and Bucky and and um everybody are just shooting people right in the face in the next couple in, of episodes. So I was like, oh, well, yeah. I guess that kind of didn't really feel as impactful now. That, <laughs> that's, back. that's the strange thing because if you remember the original Captain America movie, there's a scene where he bursts into a Nazi factory and he's got his mm-hmm. shield raised and he's got a 1911 pistol and he's firing rounds out as he advances. So it's not that Captain America doesn't use guns. It's just that we're not used to seeing Captain America in modern day using them because once he was dug out of the ice, I don't think I ever saw him with a gun in his hand again after that point. He he had, there was the time he had the gun in the first movie back in World War II. Yeah. Then in Avengers, there is a part where he shoots at somebody on the helicarrier with the gun that he picked up. Like a machine gun. Oh, fair enough. Like, fair enough. But it's like only like what a little moment. And it sure, wasn't sure. his gun. He just picked it up off the ground and used it. Yeah, and then he has the not he used the gun since. He hasn't got a sidearm as part no. of his outfit. 
Um, he's got his shield and that's it. But if he didn't have his shield, then the only way he could have potentially taken down the chopper that was trying to escape was by shooting at it. Whether And we won't know if he was aiming at the pilot or if he was aiming at the engine or what, but um, I'm, I'm not going to stand here and say, oh, no, Captain America doesn't use guns. No, 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 no. Like, he does. It's just that modern-day uh, Captain America doesn't tend to have a sidearm. He did in the war, but that makes sense. It's the war. Everybody had sidearms. Wars are where you shoot mm-hmm. at people. Um so yeah, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to uh, to seeing Loki. Uh, I I think it's going to be a good fun show, and uh, I don't know, maybe rather than doing just like a uh, end of series sum up, how do you feel about maybe doing like a ten fifteen minute thing uh, every week to uh, talk about the episodes as they come out? I would love that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Okay, maybe yes. we'll we'll look into potentially doing that. Um the uh, the bscast.com website has now lapsed. Um I no long I I own the URL. I just don't own any hosting, uh which is the expensive part of it. So um bscast.com might return at some point once I've got a job and I'm able to pay for these things then uh, that would certainly help. But in the meantime, if you're listening to this, it's probably because I was able to convince somebody to host it either on the generation animation feed and this will in that case will be labeled as a gen an extra um or i i'm, I'm gonna talk to uh to somebody in the very near future about the possibility of hosting uh on on their site but uh i wouldn't promise anything so in the meantime you might be listening to this on youtube you might be listening to this through the generation animation feed i'm not entirely sure but at some point in the future the bs cast uh feed will return and it will be updated with uh, every episode that we record. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to Loki and to talking about it with you now, Tyler. So thanks for that. That was that was good fun. I enjoyed that. Um, thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, I guess we'll speak to you next month. Bye bye. You gonna say goodbye, Tyler? Oh, goodbye. I, I thought that was just the sign-off of the show. <laughs> that was the sign-off for the show, but I, I thought I'd give you the chance to say goodbye. Yeah, goodbye, everyone. <laughs>